This is Dan Fagell, and you're listening to AI in Industry. We're continuing our theme this month of October on the topic of advancing your career in the era of artificial intelligence. And our guest this week is Muriel Shurier Shepper, uh, who worked in artificial intelligence at Rabobank, not as a coder, not as a programmer, but someone who is managing advanced analytics projects. Um, did something similar at Shell, uh, so another global gargantuan firm, and since has uh, spun into the consulting world. She has her own firm in AITraining.nl, um, which is sort of a, an AI strategy consultancy, and she's also an associate partner at Holland Consulting Group in the Netherlands. Uh, Muriel speaks with us about her experience, kind of beginning in the world of banking and advanced analytics building capability, competence in the world of AI, and then finding a way to use that to take the reins of exciting AI projects, to open up new career opportunities. And now she's spun out into more of the entrepreneurial world. Not all of you who are listening to the show are planning on doing that, but I think most folks listening in would like AI to mean more compensation, more opportunity, more excitement for their career. And Muriel shares her story, which I think is a cool one. Um, We had Muriel on the show years ago when she worked at Rabobank, and she's talked about how she spun that experience into new career opportunities and sort of shares how other folks can learn from her own journey. I should note, um, since Muriel was on the program years ago, we now have an entire podcast dedicated to banking. If you haven't already gone to iTunes and typed in AI in banking, uh, that is our show dedicated entirely to artificial intelligence financial services. Do check that out. Subscribe to that program as well. Every single week we have excellent guests there too. If Muriel still worked at Rabobank, we'd probably have her on that program as well. She's an excellent guest. So uh, check out AI in banking if you haven't already, if you're interested in more work in financial services. And otherwise, we're going to hop into this episode with Muriel here on AI in Industry. So Muriel, I wanted to start off by uh, asking how non-technical professionals can advance their career in the era of AI. I think people are concerned that maybe unless they're writing the Python code or somehow technically involved, maybe they'll become you know, less valuable. Um, where do you think they can focus to become actually more valuable in the era of AI, even without those technical skills? Yeah. Well, I think they're they're tremendously uh, um, valuable, uh, non-technical people. And um, I always say it, it, it's great to have some alpha people in the beta world. Um, and uh, if I look back at myself, I'm a psychologist from origin. So, um, yeah, sur- at a certain point, got into the data field and into artificial intelligence. And uh, I think I can bring a tremendous a lot of value. Um, especially in um, the roles that quite often that I fulfilled is is what you call nowadays analytics translator. So that's the person who sits between um, the business that has a problem and wants something to be solved but has no clue what data is. And then you have the data science department that loves to sit behind their IMAX and do uh, create a lot of nice models. And then um, you need someone in between, the analytics translator, to make sure that these people can work together because they don't speak the same languages, they don't understand how each other work, and that's where there's a perfect fit to put someone with a non-technical background but who has interest in the technical part as well as in the business part of an organization. Yeah, that connective tissue is a, always a common theme as being positively critical and actually making AI a reality. 
Um, In terms of what that looks like, what was that for you? I know you learned a lot of these skills on the job. You got involved in what was going on in analytics, what was going on in in AI. Um, What kinds of projects allowed you to develop that connective tissue role? Yeah, so so what happened with me is that already in 2007, I think, I joined the company FICO. Um, and especially, I think, in America, that is the well-known. It's a oh, software yeah. analytics well company and a yep. scoring company. So before the whole hype of data science, big data, I was working there already, but not in a technical role at that point as a relationship manager role. And I got fascinated by this, this fact that you could predict fraud by just using data, eh? using transaction data. Um, So there I got my first, uh, yeah, got to know this world, so to speak. And then I, I in the end, moved to a bank in the Netherlands. And uh, initially not in a data space, but I really missed that part. And then they started up a data science department. So I said, hey, um, (laughs) I would like to join. (laughs) Uh, And I have some background in data. Um, So, um, and and they, uh, well, they, they were really looking for someone to, um, yeah, uh, figure out what is artificial intelligence, how do we get that going in our company. And so I just, um, yeah, took that role. And what I did is just initially I started reading everything I could read, articles, uh, uh, reports from the McKinsey, the Boston Consulting Groups, the Accenture's, et cetera. Um, I went to a lot of conferences. So I really started to suck in all that information. Um, and started talking also with different departments in the organization that were also doing something with, with data uh, to figure out what they were doing. And, and um, yeah, so that's how I learned. And then I also started working together with data scientists on projects. So I was sort of like leading the project uh, and they were doing the content and creating the models. Uh, but I was going out into the company and, and talk with people and understand what their needs were and then helping that translation and also yeah, trying to make deadlines uh, as far as possible. So I really started, I really <laughs> learned it by doing and by reading a lot. And, and because I'm, yeah, I was so interested in it, I, it was just a fun thing to do. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, we hear a lot right now that the folks who are, you know, head of AI or head of AI strategy within a functional business unit are often just the people who listen to this podcast to read the newsletter, you know, read the whatever Accenture comes out with, read the stuff in their industry. They do that for, you know, 18 months, go to events, talk to people, and they now have, without knowing code, they now have a really good idea of what AI can do, how it could fit into the business. They come from the business side, so they already kind of understand that fit. And you know, they're often sort of the, the head AI person. I think a lot of folks who are listening to this show or people out in the world probably assume, oh, well, you got to hire somebody who has a PhD from Carnegie Mellon or MIT who also worked in banking. It's like, no, there's not that many unicorns. It's a lot of self-taught people. No. And obviously, you're a great example yeah. of exactly that. Someone who said, I'm interested in this. I'm going to get involved. Did you did you know exactly what that connective tissue role was going to be? Basically, they started a data science division within your bank, a pretty large bank that you worked at, and you said, hey, I want to be involved. Did you know how that would evolve, or did you just hurl yourself into getting involved, hurl yourself into those projects, and then find where the value was kind of later on? Like, how, how was the order there? Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, they were already going for a year about when I started. Okay. And so there were some, some projects already done. Um, so I, I understood what their method was. But um, yeah, I, before that, I also worked in yeah sort of same kind of roles in IT. So I've always been having roles into like being the bridge between the business or IT or the bridge between the business and data. So it's a role that fits me naturally. Um, and I, I have just this, this, this thing into me that I want to connect people and I want people to understand each other. And quite often, if it's in IT or in the data science world, people don't understand each other yeah, yeah. and you just have to help them understand each other by asking the stupid questions that actually someone wants to ask but doesn't dare to ask but i do because i don't care i just want them to understand each other <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so somebody has to be brash enough to do that when when you yeah. look at the when you look at the future of of enterprises here um it's very clear uh that this osmosis role of being the person who understands um, data science and AI, and who also understands the business side and can connect the dots, that there will only be more and more of that and only more and more hunger for yep. that. It's not just data scientists. Yep. It really is about um, fluent business people who understand the concepts, even if they don't write code. What is that going to turn into? What I'm imagining myself asking here, Muriel, is I'm, I'm imagining I'm a listener and I work within a bank. I work within a pharma company and I say, well, what's my career path? What do, what do those roles look like? What are they going to be called? Like, what am I going to do? Is there any clarity there? Because I'm, I'm thinking about someone who's trying to advance their career. Is there a way you would guide them, advise them, or frame it? Yeah, so you say, so what, how, how would you call these, these, these roles? So it's what I said, analytics translator or business mm. consultant. Um, that, that's what you hear. Um, and I think, and that's also what I get back from, from, uh, from clients, is that, and what I see is that um, a lot of companies started with data science, AI, a, a few years ago. And they did yeah, a lot of pilots and projects. And to be honest, if you look at it, how much is really in production, that's relatively low. Um, and they now start to figure out, uh, just as I said before, that you have these wonderful data science girls and boys that love their IMAX. And you have business people who have no clue what data is and how to think or work with it. And they now see that all that they did these great projects, but they don't go into production because it didn't what what they produced didn't match with what the need was of the business. So they start to figure out now, hey, hmm, we should have someone or <laughs> uh, in between to manage this. So, and I think more and more companies will come to this conclusion by themselves just because of the road that they have been uh, passing uh, the, the last uh, years, and. Um, yeah, so I think there will be a uh, high interest in and in a lot of uh, uh, need for these roles. But um, there, there, are, uh, what I get the feedback that I get back from from others is, oh, we need your the roles like you, but they're so hard to find because and and that's uh, because a lot of people who yeah, were more in the alpha studies like psychology or, or uh, uh, other studies like that, um, they're not. Um, naturally drawn to data science, to math, to statistics, to IT. Um, so it's hard to find these people. Um, uh, but what I'm really trying is, is to make 
people like that, enthusiasts, to get into it and start understanding that it's, it's actually it's not only about data. It is actually about um, creating solutions um, that are solving a business problem. And okay, you do that with data, but um, and and helping people um, see the value and, and and work in a different way. Um, and, and that has nothing to do with data. That is just change management. So I see yep. my role. Yes, you need to be interested in data uh, and, and understand how it works. But on the other hand, you need to be very interested in change management and how to motivate people and get them into the direction that you want. So it's and, and that's what a lot of these people like. You just they just need to be helped. Yeah, starting uh, uh, getting an interest in this this data field, and that, it, that's that's a, that's hard. That's a challenge. It uh, is. It is still because yeah, that, it's not their natural interest. No, it's not. Well, it's it, like both sides of the fence. It's not their natural interest, right? If you come out of oh. you know, if you come out of Carnegie Mellon with a PhD in I don't know machine learning you may or may not really care all that much about healthcare diagnostics in terms of like the business, the money, the processes, right? That may actually not be what you wake up in the morning about. Similarly, if you go to Wharton School at University of Pennsylvania, you may or may not, you know, care about feature engineering when you get up in the morning. However, um, I think what you're getting at here is that finding a way to get excited about that crossover um, is something that's going to have to be inevitable if, if this stuff is going to make its way into the enterprise. So we often talk about it, Muriel, and you'll, you'll be able to add some detail to this. When we think about what functional business leaders need to understand in order to serve this osmosis role, this translation role, we, we think about they need to understand conceptually what can AI do? What are the range of things that machine learning and AI are, yep. are, are able to do? And then we also need to understand a lot of precedence of use cases in our industry and in similar yep. industries. We need, we need to have a good Rolodex yep. of what it can do. What are the other aspects yep. that make somebody a good translator? Yeah, what I always say is, is you need to bring something to the table that is a value add also for the data scientist. So, and, and, and you need to be very respectful for what they do. Oh, and, of course. And if I look at how I work with these people, is, is they, um, I, I find it fascinating what they can do with data and creating all these models and, and uh, because they can do something which I can't. And I'm not jealous, I'm just very... I'm just excited about that, and and um, uh, and, and 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 yeah, uh, compliment them with that and and respect them. But on the other hand, um, they also know that I understand what they're doing. They do. They understand that I can't do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, they also see that I have skills that they lack yes. in terms of yes, communication yes, yes. and dealing with people, interacting with people, finding new projects in the, com in the company. And that's something they can't do. So you need to find the, uh, the, the you, need, you need to be complementary to each other. And then if that, that's the case and if you respect each other for yeah, what you're good at, yeah, you, you make it work. And, uh, yeah. I guess last last question I'll frame here, Muriel, and I know you've gone off and I mean you you served uh, sort of AI related roles as this translator within very large enterprises. You're you're also now in a role where you've gone off and done the entrepreneurial path. I imagine most of the folks who are listening in are going to stay within the corporate environment. Some may do what you've done, but but many will 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 hang in in the corporate environment. Um, if you were going to kind of have them think about that next step in their career. Um, 
it's tough to visualize because to some degree it doesn't quite exist. You know, you, you made a bold move by stepping into this space, but obviously it's yeah. paid out. It's paid off very well for you. Um, you know, I'm imagining someone who, again, works at a big pharma company, works at a big manufacturing company, and maybe they're envisioning these roles that don't exist. They envision being the AI lead for this part of their manufacturing plant, or they inv- they, they envision maybe being, I don't know, maybe the, the head AI strategist of their whole company. Are there waypoints and future kind of roles that people should be thinking about, or is it more of just try to take charge of AI projects and let those new opportunities open up when they do? Um, what's your, what's your take there? Um, what's my take? Um, so, well, it, it, with, yeah, so with, with AI, there's, there's, yeah, or you, I think you can, can do it two ways. So you can go there with a, with a, with a strategy and, and say, this is where we, yeah, from the top, from the executives, this is where we want to, to go with it. And, and then it leads back like, okay, and these kind of things we need to start doing. Or you can have people in the organization that say, hey, I understand what, what, what AI is. And I've read a lot about it and uh, I've, I've, I've been to conferences and I, I now I got IDs. And um, you can, there from the bottom up, uh, bring these ideas to the table and find then the right managers, the executives that sponsor that what that, that these ideas. And um, I think that is what what yeah. If you're looking for a new career, that is what you should do. Familiarize yourself with this theme. Familiar familiarize yourself with what is already going on in my industry. And and for example, I give a lot of presentations to companies about AI and how to apply it. And I also go to your website, huh? Eh? Yeah. Um, just to see what's going on in different sectors. And uh, yeah, besides your site, there's loads of other sites or information. Yep, yep. Just go and type AI in healthcare or AI in education. <laughs> that's how people find, find us. So yeah. many examples. Yep, that's yeah, how people that's, find that's, us. But it's yep. also what I do. Yeah, of course. I go you have to. presentation in a sector where I, which I haven't worked in. Yep. And everyone can do that. And you can find so much information and just dig into it. And, and, and the, if you do that more and more, you suddenly start to come up with your own ideas because you can just yeah, see them for your own organization. And if you understand that you need to look for uh, parts in the business where there's, for example, lots of data uh, available or, or where there's a lot of repetitive work going on or uh, if there's something this big uh, um, uh, risk in your company, th- these are areas which you can yeah, help starting to think about AI solutions. But there's one thing. <laughs> you should not start AI because you want to do AI. You need to have a business problem yes. which fits an AI solution. Yep. Because otherwise you end up with doing loads of pilots but never put it in production. Yeah. And that's a waste of time, money. Our audience has yeah. been beaten over the eardrums with that message many times, Muriel. I appreciate you giving them one more good solid whack there. That's, that's a, nice to emphasize. And Muriel, you drive home a very important point. I'd like to end on this for the audience. You know, um, you're bringing up an important point that someone with a functional business interest, with a genuine curiosity, uh, with a background in the, the business side of things, who does their homework, does their research, learns about use cases, um, you know, explores different applications, they'll realize that they can step into a room full of data scientists and actually have ideas that are more likely to, to bring an ROI, more likely to lead to a strategic advantage 
in their yeah. sector than the data scientists. Now, that doesn't mean the data scientists yeah. aren't valuable. It just means that, you know, with a couple, you know, some good months of study and some real curiosity, just like you did, Muriel, you can become one of the most valuable folks in the AI room. And um, hopefully that's a lesson that sinks home with the people at home. So Muriel, thank you so much for being able to share your expertise here on AI and industry. You're welcome. So that's all for this episode of AI and Industry. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to dive into iTunes, leave us a review, let us know what you liked about the episode, specifically what you learned. Those are always my favorite reviews when I learn something that somebody drew explicitly from a particular show that helped their career or helped them with a project that was a really critical insight for them. It's motivating for my team. Uh, it's really useful for the other folks who check us out on iTunes, and it would mean the world to us. So check out AI and Industry on iTunes, um, and leave us a review if you like what you're hearing here. Um, next week, we're continuing with our theme of advancing your career in the era of AI. We speak with a CTO of AI at a massive firm, uh, Genpact in this case. We speak with Sriram Ramanathan, uh, who is the CTO of AI product development at Genpact. Um, from a technical person's perspective, a CTO's perspective, where do they really lean on the expertise of non-technical folks? Where does a person like Sriram, who is a CTO of AI product development, um, really need strategic insight? Not someone else who can do code, but someone who understands the business, who can connect the dots for AI. Sriram really does a great job of breaking down the different phases of an AI project where the non-technical folks really carry tremendous value, and you will not want to miss that one. Uh, in this series here on advancing your career in the era of artificial intelligence. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next week.